invest in and follow principles that has proved to be pretty successful. This landlord's gonna make almost two million bucks over the next 12 years for doing something one time. Mm -hmm. And that's like residual. This guy's got another seven retail spaces and he's got 10 stories of apartments about it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the coin, right? I need to own real estate, not brokerage. You start doing deals that are absolutely life-changing, like that put you on the path for intergenerational wealth. Welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs podcast. I am your host, Louis Van der Horst. This is a podcast for busy professionals who want to learn about passive income producing strategies that have helped others crush it in the real estate world. Whether you are a new or seasoned real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs podcast. In episode eight, we are interviewing Craig Poole, we are thrilled for today's interview because Craig is the president of Doubletree by Hilton in Reading, Pennsylvania. Craig is a remarkable leader and businessman. He is a firm believer of giving people second chances, and that plays out in his work. In this episode, we talk about being a servant leader, the benefit of financial literacy, and what it means to lead the number one double tree in the world. Today, we have a very special guest, Craig Poole, the president of the Double Tree Hilton in Reading. Craig, thank you for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Lewis. I appreciate it. It's an honor. So Craig, tell us a little bit more about yourself um, before we get to today's topic. Well, I'm not 25 years old. <laughs> you can see. Uh, but, so I've been in Reading about 10 plus years and I've been in the hospitality business for 55 years. So that puts me up there in age. Um, this is my retirement program. It's working in Reading. Mm. Um, so I, my past has always been hospitality. I specialize in broken communities, marginalized people. For most of my life, that's what I've focused on, and that's built my success. I've been vice president of a very lar two large companies, and I built a very one of the top ten jazz clubs in the world. I owned for seventeen years in Pittsburgh in the inner city of Pittsburgh, where it was depressed and gangs were there. And I started hiring gang members and they taught me the street very well. And uh, so for 17 years, it was one of the top jazz clubs in the world. Hmm. And, and then, how, did, uh, how did you get connected or how, what made you want to get into jazz? Well, I bought a property that was bankrupt in this inner city of Pittsburgh in a blighted area. Okay. And jazz is, is, it's an equalizer. It's, uh, it's, every, it's probably the most diversified, inclusive music in the world. You can be rich or poor or of any eth ethnic group and it, it speaks to you. And it, hmm. it's like a security guard. Like if you're, if you're in a bad mood and you walk into a jazz club and you want to hurt somebody, you'll leave because it doesn't create the ambiance of anger. Mm -hmm. And I put it in there. I put jazz in on purpose to help change it, to see if it would work. And it did. Mm -hmm. So it was a very popular uh, place. It did very well. And uh, I took that same thing I did in Pittsburgh and I put it into a hotel, the same culture, into the inner city of uh, Reading. And you know what it's done to Reading. It's been a, a major mm -hmm. catalyst of change. Huge. Things mm -hmm. can be positive. Things can be good. And you can hire people that have been homeless or in second chances or 
never been in a hospitality business and they became the number one employees in the number one hotel in the world in downtown yeah. Redmond. That's remarkable. So, so whatever it is, it works. We did it in Pittsburgh and we're doing it in Reading. Mm -hmm. My mission now is to tell people that this can be done anywhere. It doesn't, uh, I'm a very simple man and I do things simple, but duplicatable. Um, but people make it too hard. They're, they're too judgmental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that good. brings us to Reading. So now we have a hotel in Reading and we're going to probably be buying another company uh, shortly. I can't disclose it, but mm -hmm. we're moving forward. Even in spite of the pandemic, we're, we're moving forward. Not so many of my viewers and listeners understand that Reading at one point was the poorest city, Reading, Pennsylvania. Right. Was, was the second poorest city with the second highest crime rate in the United States when we opened um, five years, five years, six years ago. It was, it's been that long already. Wow. And I believe you have mentioned in the past that most of your, uh, employees also commute there. They, they, um, they walk, they walk to work, they walk to work. Right. Um, and, and being right in the heart of the city is right. a convenient we, location. Right. We built this to not to make a lot of money, but to change a, a city. So this was a purposeful position. Uh, we ended up doing okay, um, pretty well up until the pandemic, but we'll come back again. And, but yeah. um, we always put our money into the, the community. We put it into the payrolls. We Our goal was how do you create a 700 credit score neighborhood? How do you get people to own homes? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the ultimate goal and purpose was how do you build a 700 credit score neighborhood? <laughs> through, a, through a hotel and that's that's mm -hmm. the real goal mm -hmm. and that's what drives who we hire how we pay where we move the hotel mm -hmm. have you will you say you have always been entrepreneurial mind minded or or focused right um, or, or and what caused that shift caused the shift to be entrepreneurial yeah or has that always been there it's always been there um, I've always, I'm a, uh, probably what they would call an outlier. So, you know, I'm the guy that tries to take things a different way, different way of thinking. I don't like to see things as, I never agreed with, uh, corporate the world. I always thought it was too, too, um, selfish and it was more based on profits than it was based on people. So I actually have a podcast we do occasionally that uh, haven't really kicked in called Humanizing Profit. Hmm. I'm not trying to push that, but it's my commitment to life is how do you make profits, but really you humanize it to get to there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what was the name of that podcast? It's, it's called Humanizing, Humanizing Profit. Humanizing Profits. I'll make sure to put a link also on the uh, comments um, for people to access that. I Something that I have noticed is that some people want to make a change. They want to value uh, people over profits more and sometimes get hurt through the process. They don't understand that, yes, you can still uh, make some profit. 
and still help people uh, and give people second chances. Uh, what would you want to say or add to that, Craig, and your philosophy? I know you're um, big into giving people second chances, right. investing in those in low-income areas and right. revitalizing. What would you say to those people that are they want to do that, they want to make a change, but are perhaps fearful of getting hurt? Well, first of all, you can't be fearful of it. It has to be part of your business plan. Being heard is part of being an entrepreneur. You know, if you're going to do things, you're going to take risks, and you'll you'll have high risk, and you'll have and you'll have some losses along the way. But you can't. You focus. What did I learn on each of those, and how do you move forward? To to do what I do, you have to do it to be authentic and do it that way. It's all about authenticity. Um, if I want to do it because this is a, a game, it doesn't work. It's not a game, it's life. It's a serious, people's lives are very serious to us. How they live is serious and we take it very serious. Um, and we care about their whole life. But the, the great thing is, the re you make more profit. <laughs> you don't try to, you just do. Listen, I don't know the viewers, but if you, we, we build a hotel in the second poorest city with the second highest crime rate on a place that nothing's been built big in 25 years. And we spent $68 million on a hotel in the second poor city. And then our first mission was how do we hire the people that walk to work who never been experienced a hotel like this, who never ate a great food, who never were treated like us and who never paid like us. Remember, we were trying to create 700 credit score neighborhoods. You can't do that at $5 an hour. You can't do that at under table, pay people under the table. You got to be above board. You have to pay more people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I paid, I started some people off at $10 an hour. And in three years, they're making 60000 a year. And they're able wow. to buy homes. Mm -hmm. Between November last year, or this year, not last year, and March this year, right before the pandemic, mm -hmm. five people that worked for us that started at minimum wage five, six years ago, all bought homes, hmm. hundreds, some thousand dollar homes, not wow. $30,000 homes, but they were spending on hundreds because their incomes were high enough now and their credit was stabilized and their lives mm -hmm. were stabilized and they were felt good about themselves and they ended up buying homes. Mm -hmm. And that's, and their credit scores are up. That's what the key was. Yeah. It's a big factor so we, there. So I don't think many people would put $68 million down on a building in the second poorest city with a second highest crime rate where nobody wanted to go, but we did it and mm -hmm. it worked and it became yeah. famous. Number one, double tree in the world. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. Four years, four years straight. Um, it got the biggest awards that um, Hilton passes out. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you feel like make the culture at Doubletree unique? Um, and, and I feel like you mentioned some of those pointers. Would you mind elaborating a little bit more about that? Sure. So when you have a business, and let's just say, what ours is a hotel. It could be yours is a, a home that you're turning around. Mm -hmm. How do you treat the people? How do you treat them to be selfless? How do you love them where they're at? 
Um, and I think that's what we do. We love people where they're at and who they are. It doesn't matter what you did before. I don't care what your life happened. If you, if you were in jail for 20 years, um, I'm sorry you went through that. What did you learn while you were in jail? Do you look like you have hope in your life and you want to improve your life? That's what I need. And, and that's who I meet that day. And then if I think that you're going to be great and we can help you be great, and we think that you have hope in your eyes and your heart and your soul, then you're very employable to us. I, what you did in the past doesn't matter. So we hire you. That's, that's loving people where they are. Not worried about their past, not worried about the debt that they incurred, but where, where are we going to get them moving forward? That's what we do there. And when people know you do that, they're more loyal to you. They're they very loyal to you. They, they're easy to move, easy to direct. Um, so I have a concept at our hotel or my life, and I call it not servant leadership. And that's what everybody's saying now. Servant leadership is a hot number. And, and it is, it's a very important way to lead people, but everybody has a different concept of servant leadership. And like I said earlier, a few minutes ago, I don't like to follow the norm. So I have a word called followship and it's follow me and I'll be behind you. So if you follow me, then I know you trust me. If you follow me, then my behaviors have to be worthy of you following, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always keeps me on guard to try to be a better person, to stay current because I have people trusting me and following me. The key here is most of the people in the inner cities of life, a lot of people everywhere, nobody was behind them. Corporations are not follow me, but are they going to be behind you if you fail? Um, not always. So I am always, I, in fact, I just went through that with someone maybe an hour ago. Um, he has a situation and I said, look, Frank, I said, I'm behind you. Always remember I'm behind you and we'll get through. Um, and I know that you're in the real estate business and in, in, in Reading mm -hmm. and people will buy from you if they trust you. They'll buy from you if they like you. Mm -hmm. They'll buy from you and they'll follow you and they'll buy more. It's all about trusting you. You started mm -hmm. and then people follow you and then you stay behind them. Just say you sold a house or I sold a room and it wasn't right. I'm going to be behind them. I'm not going to throw somebody under a bus. And there's a lot yeah. going on. So it goes back to the word authentic. So what you say is you, you, your behavior has to be worthy of, of someone following. The other thing with the, what we did with our real estate and this is real simple, um, and I give a lot of talks on this, but when you change the environment, you'll change the behavior. Hmm. So we changed the environment of a main street of, of um, Reading, that there was crime and homelessness and brokenness and a lot of things going on in downtown Reading. We changed the environment by putting the hotel in and it was first class and we keep it that way. We keep it clean. I don't, I don't ever have someone clean my sidewalks or anywhere. There's ne you'll never see dirt. It's rated as one of the cleanest hotels in the country. And people could go on TripAdvisor and look it up or um, go wherever you want. And you're gonna see people write about how clean it is and safe it is. Mm -hmm. And where it's located, you would never say that six years ago. 
Yeah. We change that environment and we change the behavior, not only the behavior of the people working there, but the behavior of people walking down the sidewalks. Someone says, what do you do about all the, the bad people walking down the sidewalks? I said, well, they will either change the clothes they wear because we're going to be out front with nice clothes on, or they'll change the, where they walk. They'll walk a different direction. Yeah. But it will change the, the behaviors, and it did. And it's changing the behaviors rapidly for uh, as, as much issues that there were, there's less issues now because of this double tree was it was an environmental changer that changed the behaviors of people how they what they think about themselves by self-esteem mm -hmm. not mine but their self-esteem yeah and they're proud of it they're proud to have a double tree they're proud to have a, this hotel in their city and then yeah. they go home and the people that work for us they're proud of where they work they go home and they eat better because we feed them better in our hotel we tell people the great food isn't just meant for rich people. It's meant for all people. So in our hotel, we have a cafeteria where every day the employees come in and they get fresh fruit, fresh. We take them off flour, salt, and sugar because flour, salt, and sugar is unhealthy and it creates obesity, diabetes, and heart things. So we said, well, let's feed everybody properly. And this, when they take a break, let's let them the all the housekeepers come in and grab buckets of fruit and put it on their cart instead of chips mm -hmm. and so we change the behavior in the, their work and then they change the behavior of their home we you'll never walk through a hallway and see paper on the floor not just because we want to keep a clean hotel but because we wanted people when they walked home to keep a clean neighborhood so everything is about how do you change the city and how you change lives and have ownership right of your mm -hmm. community yeah and you can do that in a business um how many people you manage or how big is your staff right now well right now it's <laughs> we went from we went from 209 before the pandemic to maybe we have 40 right now okay yeah we were down to 17 at one point but now we're at 40 and okay. actually I'm being ready tomorrow. We're going to talk about adding more people now because you got to get ahead of before the things reopen, you have to be prepared to reopen. Have the staff in place so ready to go. Right. So yes. we're going to have a big meeting tomorrow at the hotel about how we're going to layer in people. And then I'm also um, acquiring another company. So um, how are we going to do that successfully? Yes. And, um, I, yeah, I, I appreciate what you share about servant leadership, um, following, uh, fellowship. being the leader fellowship. Yeah. Um, uh, fellowship, fellowship and, uh, authentic behavior and also changing the environment, uh, and how that also changes, um, people's behavior. Right. It's not just the phrase. You have to turn it all into actions. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not, like I said, I'm pretty simple. I listen to people's good phrases and then I turn them into actions. What people say they want to do, we try to do. Um, and mm -hmm. not everything's successful, you know, but we fail, we call it failing quickly. If, if you do something and you fail, fail fast. What'd you learn from it? Move on. 
Um, and that's pretty much our, our business model. Mm -hmm. do, do it quickly. Uh, is it big enough? Does it create value? Is it good for the community? If those three things measure, boom, we move. Mm -hmm. That's good. And how does it work when um, there is a hotel business, people just see the, the what we see online, what does it look like behind the scene to put a deal like that together? Do you need several investors? Yeah, um, you need a lot. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> you need a lot of we, we had a lot of uh, government help get going into this. Okay. Because um, the key opportunity zone money, you know, um, lots of different pieces of money because we were going into a blighted area on a blighted piece of property. So, um, and that's and another- And it falls under opportunity zone. Yes, it does. So one of the things that we wanted to do, and uh, it was purposeful and- we, I built hotel other hotels before and been a lot of, for, for ourselves. We owned three Hampton Inns years ago. But what we did with this was let's take all that we get from the government and let's make it work the way the government wished it did work. Like, we're going to give this to you to improve the city. This, this, we never varied from that and said, let's take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It always went to the purpose of what we were supposed to do with the money. And that's tempting uh, as a developer or a builder or anybody, uh, but we did it. And the rewards were astronomical. We got more out of the rewards of doing it than if we would have, you know, tilted the scale a little bit. Mm -hmm. So being forthright, being honest, being uh, what's the mission of the money, that's the mission that we do. If the mission was to pay back a bill, we pay all the bills. <laughs> so we created, uh, I think, a perfect model when, uh, and I wanted to do that on purpose. This is intentional. I wanted to build a perfect model of a, the government and banks and everybody lending money to, to a, in an underprivileged area to a business that actually took the money and created what they were wishing for their dream making dreams come true for the, the lender as well mm -hmm. um all the lenders so and, and it worked it, yeah and we we're seeing the fruits of it now and and i feel like it'll continue to to happen um for years to come and and people now are seeing a positive image of reading as a result oh, yeah. of this and we knew that if what we did that we would create, and if we paid people right, if we, you know, we pay above the scale, um, probably $15 an hour and up, you know, our payroll, um, our payroll in 2020 or 2019 was, uh, I think it was around seven and a half million dollars of payroll. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, and it's all local. Remember, probably 92% of that seven point some million went into the city of Reading's coffer of employees so they could buy homes and live well and not become evicted or homeless or, mm -hmm. um, so we would take care of them. So that's a pretty big commitment. Yeah, absolutely.
and and it's being um it's um it's very deliberate and very strategically used right thank you yeah it when, is why <laughs> thank you why is home ownership important uh for people i I know we we talk a lot about home ownership and in our community, well, and some great. people don't realize that they can pay a mortgage less than right what they're paying for rent. Right, it's bizarre. So, if I have a few minutes, I'm going to take you through a little trip. So, when I came to Reading, I sat on the on the curbs with people for a year before I even started the hotel. I sat on the curbs. I went to the back alleys. I went to the different bodegos. I went to the, some of the bad bars and I wanted to hear the story of people, why they were there, why people were running and hiding and why they were so upset. And I ran into a, a large homeless community. So I thought, well, I'm going to see why they're homeless. And I found out on my own, this is just a Craig Poolism that homelessness wasn't the biggest issue in Reading. It was evictions. So I started following the eviction processes and how many people were evicted. And it was very upsetting to me personally that how many people were homeless because they made bad decisions, they're evicted because they made bad, made bad decisions. And there was a lot of bad landlords who were taking their one or two month deposit, knowing that they weren't gonna be able to, to keep the um, apartment so they would have an apartment that's say for a thousand dollars a month. They want two thousand down, and the thousand, so they have three three grand in, knowing that these people aren't going to be able to survive the the, the agreement. So they automatically make two thousand dollars upfront money that they keep for the deposit, and it was upsetting because I thought, okay, they're screwed. Uh, mm -hmm. What what do we do about this? Uh, they and they're controlled by the landlord. So I went to some leadership of the city at that point, and I said, look, why don't we have classes for landlords to become better landlords mm -hmm. so we can have better tenants? And then we can have, after we do that, we can have classes for tenants before they have better, they move into apartments so they understand the financial responsibilities and the risk of what's gonna happen um, and through the eviction process, I found out that there's kids that go to families that are moving from eight, eight evictions a year with their kids and they're moving to different, eight different schools. And that came from Dr. Moomin, the yeah. superintendent of schools. He said, this is real. Uh -huh. I said, well, how do we stop that? Well, if we buy, if we get home ownership. So I got into, I thought, okay. Eviction's not the problem. Financial awareness is the problem. Mm. So at the hotel, we started giving financial awareness classes where they got a certificate. And we brought in Vision Credit. And we have a couple other banks that we were gonna work with to help on credit scores and getting people lifted so they could buy houses and have a 700 credit score. Because if you have a 700 credit score neighborhood, you don't have crime. Crime, crime drops, kids go to college, less divorces, safer streets, and real estate goes up. Everybody wins. 
on a 700. Yeah, the, nobody loses when people are happy mm -hmm. and they're not running from the law or they're not f frightened, uh, running from the bill collector, moving your car every night because you don't want to get it repossessed, uh, worrying if the lights are going to get a shut off today. I live in that world. I don't live there personally, but I live there with my employees in my heart and we try to help people a lot. Uh, because they make bad decisions. But if we could get their credit scores, their financial awareness up, then they have pride. On, I, they have self-esteem. It goes back to, where's my self-esteem? Where's my certificate? Where I own this home. How, how do you feel when you own a home? You can walk in at night. If you put a hole in the wall, you don't have to worry about being evicted. You have to worry about fixing it. But you don't even have to do worry about that. It's yeah. yours. Uh, it takes those things away and it puts it in a fair playing ground. So yes, we are trying to, we work with home ownership. I think, you know, I'm on the board with Habitat for Humanity and um, we, we do 75 hours of um, financial literacy learning before someone can buy a home. That's, that's one of the key roles that we play. And I even went to, we've even opened it up to, if you had someone and you wanted to send them to our classes, we would take them for free. Okay. Because for us, you're, and if I have financial literacy courses in my hotel, you can send a homeowner to me for free. Mm -hmm. Because if the, if the city builds up with people owning homes and financial awareness, the whole city wins and we win. Mm -hmm. But if it continues to go backwards, it doesn't. Um, yeah. But, but we look at great home ownership. Like right now, I'm working. Um, well, I'm I'm focused right now on uh, pain abatement because uh, you may or you may not know this, but it, Reading has the highest concentration of uh, lead poisoning in children under ten years old. I did well, not know that. <laughs> yeah, because um, the homes built before 1946 are full of paint and um, the kids eat paint, then they get autism and then they can't learn. So they start school and they're already slow learners because they've been chewing on paint, right? Mm -hmm. And they're unhealthy. Um, so uh, we're working on that now. I, I, give a I speak a lot to that situation. Uh, we're trying to help get people aware of it. Finite, um, habitat makes sure you have a sound home with sound roof, a sound, you know, a new roof. They have new heat, light, and power and insulation. So when someone moves into our, one of our houses, their utility bills are low, their roof doesn't fall in, uh, we put new appliances in, so they're not back against the wall buying a home. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when the roof, you know, if you buy a, a room from a bad developer, and the roof comes down, you're, you're, um, that's it. You're, you're yeah. just, you're done. It's you already, you already have the date for the house. Yeah. You're, you're all right. You're done. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you know that. So we're trying to get people to make great decisions. We're trying to lead the community to say this build, we're going to flip a home, let's flip it right. Let's be fair to the people. Let's be authentic, uh, flippers. Let's be authentic real estate agents. Let's, make sure that people understand.
Mm-hmm. And when they move into a habitat home, we give them a broom and a, uh, and a dustpan. So they clean your sidewalk every day. Change the environment, you'll change the behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, keep your windows clean. They'll clean their windows. So it doesn't take a lot. It takes a person to begin a movement, and then a, a block becomes a movement. Mm-hmm. And people make better decisions, and then the real estate goes up. So if you had an investment, and let's say you paid 100000 and we come into that neighborhood and put four houses in, and we have people that are trained to be a neighbor and to keep their, and be a steward of their assets, then the assets all around them automatically go up with it, right? Mm-hmm. Automatic. Um, and, the, and the value of your investments increase significantly. Mm-hmm. You know, in my restaurant in Pittsburgh, I bought a house across the street because um, I needed six parking spaces and they had six parking spaces. I want the house, I wanted the, the parking spaces. The parking and space. yeah, they were critical to me. <laughs> And um, I paid, this was in probably 1990-something, early 90s. I paid, I think, $10,000 for this house. Mm. So I got out of it eventually too soon. But I know that house was, that area, the houses in that area are selling for $350,000 right now. Wow. Well, for real. No, I didn't, I didn't cash in on that like people mm-hmm. did. But... Mm-hmm. That house right across the street would probably be 300, maybe 350. Uh, that was $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also because of inflation, it, it goes up as well. As well, but not that high. Mm-hmm. But it went up because the jazz club was there. It created a new environment, a new behavior. Um, <laughs> my dog, I'm sorry. It's okay. Hey. I can, I can edit that part. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> the, the mail came and uh, <laughs> that's what it is. I'm still waiting for, I order a package and I'm still waiting for it. it you, the USPS must be really busy during this time. Yeah. Um, okay. So and how many properties in a year do, does Habitat remodel? Well, that's a good question. Not, not as many as we should, but right now we're, we're trying to gain control of the whole area. Okay. So we've been working this year on g- gaining control of most of the houses and the land around it so we can do a major project. Okay. So we're hoping to have maybe maybe this neighborhood will be, it'll be off of uh, Tupahawken Street, um, maybe 11 homes, 12 homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we want to do is create parking. We go create the environment. We want to go into the 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 people, the elderly people that are around there, mm-hmm. and instead of displacing them, how do we go in? And we we're looking for funding through uh, the insurance companies to go in and fix their homes. Um, so if we went in and fixed uh, uh, an entranceway uh, where someone might, if you trip and fall, if you're elderly. It's over hundred thousand dollars in insurance to pay for your hip. I said so. We met with some people recently, and I said if you gave us twenty thousand dollars, we could go in and fix all the thresholds. We could fix the floors. 
we win, the, they win, and you save a hundred some thousand dollars. Yeah. And we make their house presentable so it fits the neighborhood and we make it look nice. So when they pass or whatever they do with the home, it, it, it creates the higher value for everybody and it builds um, self-esteem into the neighborhood. So it'll keep the neighborhood clean. Mm -hmm. So it's all about um, empathy for the people living there and uh, being the leader of change in a, in a neighborhood. Uh, we, we only do, uh, um, so we, we don't do spot housing we do uh, cluster housing can you elaborate on that so we don't build one house in a neighborhood another house in a neighborhood they used to do that oh, okay. before i joined the board but now we only focus on clusters of four homes ten at a time gotcha yeah in a neighborhood and we try to our goal is how do we change a, make a healthy neighborhood healthy living um how do we do it so well that they've we changed a, a local store around us. We're looking for little banks to come in. Um, so we're, mm -hmm. we're not just building homes, we're trying to build a community. Mm. Um, not that we're the builders of it, but um, we could be the attractors of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also encourage others to wanna be part of that change as well that's taking place. Right, and, and put my employees in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of them can't get in because they make too much money now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing for them. Yeah. 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 And and it it all starts with having proper financial education. Every time. People fixing their credit score and getting that self-esteem up uh, and and that ownership, taking ownership and, and our community. And paying their bills. <laughs> paying your bills and getting off the system. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get someone off the system. Um, family of five, a family of five with two adults and three kids or four kids, um, it costs about $48,000. That's what the state gives them to be sucked into the system. Hmm. Yeah. I know that. Yeah because I'm trying to pull people out of the system. And that's why you, uh, I, I started somebody at 40,000 and found out that this person still had trouble. So I said, this moved it to 50. And then I moved it to 60. It was experimental to see how far do I need to go and pay to get somebody off of the system of food stamps and section eight housing and all that. Um, how do we, but, it's expensive to do that, but it's worth it because mm -hmm. it's a life. It's lives and they change. Yeah. You know, what's a life worth? Yeah. It's priceless. It is. But you can change a whole family. Uh, and people say, well, I can't do that because I don't have the money. We didn't have the money either, you know, but God will give you the money. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be a preacher, but you gave it to us. Yeah. Put us out. Um, we didn't expect anything, but this is what happens. You know, they say, give and you'll receive tenfold, but it happens. Those are true. Mm -hmm. um, and we were, uh, we, we're an effect of that. People, and people study that. We have different companies come to study what we're doing. We have, uh, somebody did a doctorate program on servant leadership. For, their whole doctor thesis was on the 
on the leadership of the hotel and what happened to the community in the hotel. Mm -hmm. Being a leader, Craig, and, and being someone that is constantly always giving, uh, how do you recharge? What are some things that have helped you recharge, regain your energy to go back and do it again? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so follow me and I'll be behind you. Um, when I know people are succeeding, that's recharging to me. So I can go on and on and on. I'm 71 years, I'll be 72 soon. Hmm. And I can work circles around people because it's not about me, it's about them. It's never gonna be about Craig Poole. Um, once it is, then I become angry. And I know that, that's what the selfishness is, anger is, it, it, it's a, a big weight to carry to be, a, well, I need to go do this. I need to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. Selfless people have a lot of energy. Albert Boscoff was my mentor and friend. Mm -hmm. He was probably the most selfless person I ever met. And he worked to the day he died at 87 years old. Um, and I see other selfless people that were successful. And I want to go back to the fellowship thing um, because it's important because it's a, self, a selfless way of living. Because you, you have to stand up behind the act, every action that you make and your actions have to be in the benefit of everybody else. Now, who, who do, I, do I model this from? So one would be Martin Luther King. He did fellowship, follow me, follow me, and we're gonna be part of a change of the world. And he did, and people followed him. And, he took the beating, he took the risk, he went to jail numerous times. He got, the, he got assassinated, and pe but he was behind everybody. A guy named Mahatma Gandhi said, follow me and we'll go to the sea, we'll get the salt from the sea. And they started off with him and he got beat. He went through a hard time and people followed him and he changed the world. And I'll go back to the Christian part is Jesus Christ, follow me and I'll make you fishermen and men. Follow me and I'll be behind you. Yeah. So I'm not starting anything new. This is, this is my, who I follow are people that follow, have fellowship. That's why I call it fellowship. Mm -hmm. Just so I don't think it's a word, um, but it is a philosophy that I have in my mind and I teach yeah. it to people. It, it, it reminds me of the uh, role of uh, like a mentor and guide. Um, mentor, right. And not only stopping there, but also finding some mentees. Right. So let's say that you're in real estate. Mm -hmm. Follow me. I'm going to go to this neighborhood that nobody went to. And I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to build a home here. And then I'm going to build another home. It's a risk. But if people are following you, they're going to follow you and they're going to build a home there with you. Um, there's too many followers right now. Way too many people that, not enough leaders uh, leading people the right direction. And too many people doing the same thing. Um, you know, I don't think there's a habitat in the world that is looking at trying to rehab the homes around them so that we don't gentrify them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more, how do we help them be successful? And, and how's that work? And I can guarantee you the, the real estate will go up once we get this in effect. 
And once we do a whole block, the blocks all around it are going to grow significantly and they're going to be safer. And, and cleaner. And changing those generations. Right. Generations. Yeah. yeah. And um, what would you say um, you would advise someone if you were 18 now? What, what would you advise someone um, based on your experience and your knowledge? Um, read a lot. Stay current. Learn, learn, learn quickly. You know, fail, fail fast and learn from what you fail from and stay on point to what your purpose is. Um, don't let people pull you backwards. Um, okay. If you, if the fire in your belly is to, to build a thousand homes, then don't let somebody tell you you can't. It's not, it's, it's that's where the, the fire is in your belly, not theirs. And you got to follow that and you got to follow what you believe in okay. and stay focus on it what you focus on what you what you focus on will get done that's a fact um if you lose focus that's your problem yeah you um we never lost focus on the on the double tree it's still going to do well it's not gonna, it's uh, in the spite of this horrible world um all this going on in a, our business um and be resilient probably be resilient is probably the uh People say that's what my one gift is re resiliency. Yeah. You're not, um, I'm on a mission, you know, which, where's your mission? You're 18 years old. You're 19, 20 years old. Where's your mission? Um, follow your mission, follow your, the fire in your belly and, um, and do it and make it happen. Don't talk about it. Too many people talk about it. Well, I'm going to do this. So, and don't get mad if somebody else did it. That's your fault. You know, you know, we always say, I am the problem. Uh, if you're the problem, then uh, be, the, be the solution. And if you see something in the city that you want to latch onto, then latch onto it. There's a whole lot of things I wish I could have, would have done. You know, I up lots of, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories is uh, years ago in the 1968, uh, Disney World, Disneyland was in, in, LA and they were building a place called Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And I I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I was in the hotel business back then. And I was young. I was 18, 19 years old. And Disney came to me, an executive from Disneyland came to Fort Lauderdale and met with me and said, we'd like you to come to Disney World, this place we're building in Orlando, Florida. And I thought, are you kidding me? There's already a Disneyland in California. Why would you go to Orlando? Orlando has frost and it's full of uh, orange trees and grapefruit trees. And uh, it's not even on the ocean. So I figured out why it would never work. <laughs> and I didn't take the job. And so goes life but I would have been one of the first people hired for Disney World. <laughs> and <laughs> and I here you are now. <laughs> I think, well, I did okay. And but, doing something, yeah, different. Yeah, but, well, a lot of people say I'm like Walt Disney, too. So, um, so a lot of people say I'm, I'm uh, I, I tell, one of my slogans is I make dreams come true for people, and we're committed to that. And that's probably why the hotel's doing so well. Yeah. 
And sometimes we think that we have an idea, we have a goal in mind, and we think that may manifest in one way. Maybe years later, we will see that it manifests in other ways. And Yeah, well, you really have to follow your gut sometimes. That's, if there's anything I could have done, I wish I could have taken that job with Disneyland or World <laughs> just for a part of my life, uh, but I didn't. Yeah. But these are, you know, you don't want to have regrets. You don't want to, here's what happened to me. I was young and my father was going to buy a restaurant and he didn't. And the restaurant became very successful. So later on in life, I wanted to buy a restaurant and I thought, I don't want to be 60 some years old and wish I could have done it. So I did it. Um, you don't want to look backwards and say, I wish I would have done something. That's tough. Um, so I kind of have always moved of one day I'm going to be 60 or 70. I never thought I'd be 70, but 60. And I don't want to look back and say, I wish I would have done this. So I'm going to, I, I went and figured out how to do it while I could. And I did, and I lived a pretty good life out of that and made a success out of that. Mm -hmm. Now to uh, wrap it up, um, what would you say are three things that have helped you hit, hit real estate home runs in your life? Um, whether like tips or, yeah. or principles that you live by? So we... So my deals have been buying real estate in best deal we did is we bought real estate in a place that didn't, it wasn't hot yet in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. We bought some land and built a hotel there in the seventies. And now it's, it became the fastest growing community in the country in the nineties. Um, so being a pioneer, so I, I would say one would be, uh, taking risks, uh, being a pioneer, you'll make the biggest gains. I'm, I've always been probably the first one to do something. And, uh, like the jazz club in Pittsburgh, um, if I bought the jazz club, I bought a 16,000 square foot building for $25,000 with a liquor license. Wow, man, just the liquor license today is worth 100,000 right. 100, or so. Right, right. And we ended up turning it into a, a world famous jazz club. A thousand people a night would come there sometimes. I mean, you could figure this, you do the math. It was a pretty good place to be. Mm -hmm. um, but we did the same thing there. We poured our money back into the community. Um, so pouring your money back into the community is important to me um, because the community is, th that's your neighborhood. Um, you got to take care of your neighborhood. If you're a business, if you're a hotel, whatever you are, that's where you live and you got to invest in that and you got to help it and and make it what if it's not a friendly community then make it a friendly community come it's your your responsibility if it's not safe make it safe people say well my neighborhood's not safe well that's well they become the change you want to see <laughs> you become that change make it safe it's 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 a matter of knocking on a door and saying hey 
you're not making this safe. What do we need to do about it? Sometimes it's, that's all it is. It's not as it's not as hard as what people make it. You know, if you're if the house next door to me isn't clean, like I'm, I'm I have a house I'm in right now in the inner city of Pittsburgh that we own, um, and we bought this house. Uh, there's been a couple murders around us. I didn't have to live in the inner city, but I wanted to live there because I wanted to be part of a change. And we've been here 20 years. This house, and. Um, we fix it up nice. We didn't show off. Inside, it's very nice. Outside, it looks like a nice city home. Um, and then all of a sudden, the next door neighbor fixed their home up, and the next door neighbor fixed their home up. And pretty soon, everybody's home's fixed up. And now, I don't know what the real estate is. It's probably, hmm, I'd say, double, two and a half times value now, maybe more. I don't even know. But, um, that's what people do. They start changing with, and you change. So you have to become the leader of that change if that's what you want. But you have no, if you don't help make the change, you have no business complaining about it. You know, then just lock yourself in your door. Let's find the person that wants the change. That's right. You know, find the person, find the leader. Um, mm -hmm. You should want that in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we do is we create the change around us. My wife in our, our city home, she ripped out the whole front yard and it's full of pots and plants. And people drive by all the time and stop the car and say, I can't believe how beautiful that is. Well, um, you could buy pots and plants. You don't need a committee. You don't need to go to a bank and say, can I buy some pots and plants? You know, yeah. <laughs> you go to a forest and buy, and buy plants and, and pull plants up. It's just a matter of doing it. And then she did it, and then all of a sudden another person does it, and, and now their houses look prettier. And then the real estate value goes up. Yeah. So and if the crime they, goes down, it does. And their credit, if their credit score is up, their their crime credit score is, is going to go down. Home ownership. You gotta have you have to have financial awareness to own a home. Mm -hmm. or you're not going to own it for long. So you've got to be aware of your, of your choices when you buy something. Um, mm -hmm. You can't have a $100,000 home and a $150,000 car. One of those is probably not going to make it if you have an income that only affords a $100,000 home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to buy according to what you can buy. That's, this is what I can afford. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You just got to keep up with yourself. And don't move into a neighborhood if you can't afford it. Find the one that you can afford and then sell it and, and flip it. And eventually you'll get to that house. But if they buy that house immediately, they're not going to live in it for long. So how can people stay in contact with you if they want to know what Craig is up to or get any updates sure. about you. So I have a very active LinkedIn account. Um, okay. it's, typically it'll have anywhere from maybe 4,000 to 60,000 views on it. People following it, uh, Craig Poole. And then my Facebook is always 
99% of the time it's used for what we're doing in the city. Um, my email is uh, Craig Poole, capital C R A I G dot capital P O O L E at Hilton.com. And I'm not passing out my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> if we, if we, if we get linked up and we get, we become friends, I'll pass out. I pass it out to someone today mm -hmm. uh, from LinkedIn. I don't know, but she messaged me and she, uh, it was a sincere message. And I said, you know what, here's my cell phone. You know, you mm -hmm. go ahead and call me anytime because it was, it was compassionate what she had, mm -hmm. I had empathy for her. So, but there's a, we're busy people. So we don't want to just answer mm -hmm. phones or nothing. Yes. And I have yes. very important people like you that I do podcasts with. <laughs> well, it's been an honor to have you here and I'm um, sure yeah, I'm sure my audience got a lot of value out of it and what you had to share. Yeah, well, if, I know I let did. us know what you got value out of. If they would email you back or me or yeah. say this was valuable or or maybe you could talk about this more. Mm -hmm. you know, how can I be better? Because um, it takes time to do this and, and people mm -hmm. are important to me. I don't want to waste your time or my time. I want it to be successful time. That's right. Yeah. You know, you're, and you were important to me. But I was panicky when I couldn't get on today. I thought, yeah. And follow you your are, commitments with people. If you have you're a important to me as well. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I and, and I, um, I'm, that's my heart also to give back to the community, give value to people. Um, in my position as a teacher, I, that's what I do to change a kid's life in the hopes that that kid is going to change their family's lives. And also in the real estate as well, uh, fix, restoring um, lives and families one house at a time, bringing dignity to them. Yes. And so yeah. I have a story about Northwest Elementary. Okay. So we, we went to the, one of the classrooms and I don't remember what class it might've been fourth or fifth a year ago. And I gave them, and anybody can do this. It's a good thing to do. Mostly if you're selling houses with yards, mm -hmm. so we have a green roof at the hotel, 35,000 square foot green roof. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted the kids to enjoy the green roof. You might want them to enjoy a yard. And I gave them seeds, all the seeds that go into um, items that go into a taco. And I gave them seeds, all the ingredients that go into a pizza. So they had envelopes with seeds in them. Mm -hmm. And some kids planted the seeds that go, the items that go into a taco, like peppers and onions and tomatoes. And some went and planted seeds like oregano and basil and tomato that go into a pizza mm -hmm. and they plant the seeds in little pots in the classroom. And then we went in and took the seeds in the spring and plant them in a garden on our rooftop. So the kids would have kind of an ownership of the double tree, like they had roots into it. Mm -hmm. And then they took care of the plants at the double tree. So we would have, they would come to double tree and it was, um, we went in to feel the environment change the behavior mm -hmm. um, from a school. 
And then when August came, we harvested their food and we took it into the kitchen and we made tacos and pizzas with the item that they made. So that way the kids could see from root to, from seed to root to product to enjoyment of an item. And you can do that. Um, so maybe if you sell a house, you did the same thing. You gave people items that go into a pizza or items that go into a taco and you follow up with them throughout the year. So a little connection, not just selling a house, it's a connection with selling a house. It's the heart. Well, I don't have time. Well, you have a lot of time if they call back and say, I want to sell it. And I want to buy another one. You created yeah. a community mm -hmm. in residual income. The people say, well, I'm going to move on. I don't have time. Um, we don't move on. We stay on. Mm -hmm. And it's built us a line of success of repetitive business. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a girl, real estate agent sold me a quarter, gave me a gift of a cord of wood for a house that we owned in New England. And when we sold that house, I called the, the cord of wood was impactful to me or half a cord, maybe it was. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what? Um, and, I, and I recommended many people to her because of a cord of wood. And she made <laughs> a lot of money on that cord of wood. But sometimes it's, it's not a selling of a house. It's not, mm -hmm. it's- The relationship. It's the selling yeah. of a relationship and the house is part of it, that's all. That's good. Yeah. And, and there's great value when we place people before profits and, and treat them with dignity and respect. Right. Right. Hey, awesome. thank awesome. you so much for Thanks your for time me today. Yeah, this was great. Bye, everybody. I wish All you right. well. We hope you enjoyed this interview and got some value out of it to help you in your real estate investing journey. If you can take just a minute, please do us a favor and leave a review. Hit the like button on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on and subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Also, don't forget to check out our Real Estate Home Runs podcast community Facebook group where you are able to connect with some great listeners. If you're an investor who is crushing it and want to share some information centered around passive income in real estate, please contact us. Hit those home runs and we will see you next time.